abundance. We all want more of it. Health, relationships, career, prosperity. To be human is to strive for more. There's ample advice on how to create abundance. We need to have positive thoughts and believe in ourselves. But what happens if positive thinking doesn't come naturally? Are we doomed? I'm Jill McCabe, author, entrepreneur, negative thinker turned optimist, and your host on the Thinking Vitamins podcast. For years, I struggled to believe in myself. And for years, I fell short of my goals and aspirations. Until I learned a nifty bit of neuroscience that taught me how we can all rewire our brains to have more positive thoughts, self-belief, and abundance. That's what I created Thinking Vitamins for. Thinking vitamins are sticky ideas, mantras, and perspective shifts that retrain your brain to expect good things to happen to you. So I ask you, are you ready to boost your abundance? Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Thinking Vitamins podcast, where we are going to dialogue today about how to get over the fear of accepting and embracing you. This is a topic very near and dear to my heart. Many, many people come to work with me. They're in their 40s and 50s, and the story is the same time and again, I am living a life that doesn't feel congruent to who I am on the inside, and I want to do my own business. I want to do a business that allows me to feel fulfilled as a human being, and that allows me to become a role model for my my community, my family, my loved ones, and even and, and leave the world a better place than we found it. This is really common. This is something that I see a lot. It's who I help. And I also see the struggles with this. Um, getting over the fear of accepting, embracing you. Struggles starting with, who am I? Struggles starting with, well, I don't even know who I am. I just, I don't feel like I'm in the right life, but I don't know what the right life would be. And then once I figure out what the right life would be, oh my God, I can't change. People rely on me. There's so much to unpack, to live authentically. And that worries me. And if that's something you are, if you can relate to that, or you know someone close to you who needs this, This is a very special episode in which I am going to be speaking to one of my clients in my Emerging Entrepreneurs Mastermind, who originally came to me to help her create a business that was in alignment with her passions. And then uh, she stayed uh, in our mastermind that goes over the year. And I have been truly blown away by her ability to become her. And what makes this woman particularly special is that she is transgender. And I have had the honor of witnessing her go through this process as she created a new business. By the way, creating a new business is enough in and of itself and making such a massive life change at the same time. And I'm truly in awe of this woman and her courage and what she's gone through. And one of the things that's particularly helpful and lovely about her is that in true role model fashion, she has shared so openly about her experience in social media and in a book that she's currently writing. And that is why I just knew listeners that I had to introduce you to her on the podcast to help you hear her story yourself so that you can also perhaps get over the fear of accepting and embracing you. So let me just take a moment and formally introduce her and then we will bring her on the show. 
Shuli Elisheva isn't just a Yiddish teacher. She's a Yiddish empowerment coach. She empowers students of all levels to use their Yiddish with confidence and courage as a meaningful part of their daily lives. She's also a Yiddish poet and the composer of more than 50 Yiddish songs. She's written extensively about her experiences as an Orthodox transgender woman on social media and in the magazine Unortha Boxed. And she's currently under contract with a publisher for her memoir. Shuli, thank you so much for joining me on the Thinking Vitamins podcast. Thank you, Jill. It's such an honor to be on here. I can hardly wait to, to talk to you about your story of getting over the fear of accepting and embracing you. You truly have, in the time I've known you, Shuli, you have blown me away in your commitment to, I think, discovering who you are, not really knowing, you know, (laughs) I think that, and your commitment to discovering who you are and then doing what's necessary to get there. And then how you share it on social media so bravely. So let's just, let's just dive in. Shuli, let's just talk a little bit more about your story of accepting and embracing you. It's, it's a very interesting story. Can you give us sort of the, the Coles notes, if you will, of, of what happened for you? Sure. Yeah. If you had known me a few years ago, you might have thought that everything in my life was amazing. I was married. I had a child. I was getting my PhD. I was running entrepreneurial projects, getting grants, um, really living this life that was a very successful and outwardly very happy life. Um, except that it wasn't really my life. Um, I was suffering from intense depression and anxiety. I was medicated. I had anxiety attacks. Um, I knew that something was wrong in my life, but I didn't want to accept that something was wrong in my life. Everything was going well. I was living the life that I thought I was supposed to be living. Um, And then through a series of events that I have come to understand more and more over the last few years, I came to realize that what was wrong was my gender. Um, It first occurred to me in my early 30s that, well, maybe I'm not actually the nice Jewish boy that I had spent my whole life up until then thinking that I was supposed to be. Am I transgender? Am I non-binary? Am I something else? And actually the first thing I, one of the first things I did after I had this realization was I Googled, what if I think I'm transgender, but I don't want to be transgender? How do I not be transgender? And what I found out is that I'm far from the only person to have asked this question. And the answer over and over and over and over again that I saw from so many other trans people is you can't. If you if this is who you are, then this is who you are. So I really wrestled with that. I didn't want to accept it. Um, I called my parents and I told them I'm struggling. I know for sure I'm not transgender, but I am struggling with it. And even once I accepted that I might actually be transgender. Um, It was still a while before I came out publicly. And it's been a several year journey. And over the course of this journey, I have grown so much in my self-acceptance, in my self-love, that I have actually gone off of two of my three mental health medications. And I'm currently tapering off of the third. I was medicated for bipolar. I'm no longer taking that medication. I was medicated for anxiety and depression. Um, I've already gone off one of those meds and soon I'll be off of the other one. So, uh, you know, I never dreamed that was possible. If you go back and you read my old tweets from a few years ago, I wrote about how I, I, I knew that there were people who claimed to be emotionally healthy, 
who claimed to not be depressed, I couldn't imagine what that would be like. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to to not be depressed. And now just a couple of years later, here I am, so happy, um, so full of gratitude and self-love. And so, you know, if if I can it's, do it, then anybody can do it. You yeah, know? I mean, <laughs> I agree. I think that that's something that I've seen in you as I've had. Now, how long have we known each other? We've known each other. A year and a bit? About a year, a little over a year. I knew about you long before that, but we only met about a year and a quarter ago. Yeah, you discovered me through Skillshare. That's right. How much before you actually joined uh, one of one of the Boom U programs? How long did you know about me on Skillshare? I knew about you on Skillshare for a couple of years before we actually met, and mm-hmm. um, and and I was so taken by what I learned from you about the psychology of motivation and procrastination and goal setting that it completely changed how I taught. And I ended up making worksheets for my students based on your methods. And oh, cool! Um, yeah, you were really one of my one of my huge role models. So was that back when you were still not accepting that? So where were you in this transgender journey when you first encountered me? So I was right at the beginning of my journey. Um, okay. I was trying to get my life in control. Um, One of the ways that I was doing that was by going to the gym and watching Skillshare classes on my iPad um, so that I could learn while I was working out. Um, At the time, I had become very disillusioned with academia. I was getting my PhD in historical musicology, which I thought would be my career. Um, But the more and more I became uh, disillusioned with academia, I began exploring ways of engaging with the public uh, through social media, teaching music theory on through blogs, through uh, Twitter, through Facebook groups, through podcasts. Um, and that was, yeah, at that time I was I was still struggling with my gender. I hadn't yet accepted. Okay. Uh, but by the time we met, you you were already on. Yes, the, I was already yeah. out publicly at that point. You were already in the process. I met you as a she, <laughs> and yes. but you learned about me, yeah, before that. Okay, so what I think I want to ask, you know, this is a big thing. We're talking about how to get over the fear of accepting and embracing you, and we've certainly heard. I mean, when you talk about getting off your drugs and of course, you know, officially thinking vitamins podcast is not (laughs) endorsing anyone do that without, you know, support or process, but just to share an example of someone who did and something that a lot of, when you say, you know, you couldn't imagine people who used to be depressed and aren't anymore and who are happy all the time. That was me. I don't know if you know this about me, Shuli, but I spent years like depressed. Now I have a father with had, he's passed with severe mental illness and a sister with severe mental illness, uh, different ones. And, um, and when I turned 20, I was just waiting for mine. I was like literally waiting for it to kick in. I was like, well, it should kick in soon. You know, <laughs> that's when it got my sister and my dad, you know, and I was really like, I, you know, so if you would have told me that I would be this happy, hey, everybody, let's be abundant. You know, I mean, I would have spit my food out <laughs> if I was eating it. I'm like, oh, God, you're nuts. So so I do believe you. Uh, and because I've also I've also seen it. You really share your story openly. Like if you. Tell me a little bit more about that because you share your story so openly. What what has because okay, so listeners, just I want you to understand how open Shuli is. Like, I mean, if she has like a negative thought, you you know about it on, you know, you you know what she's eating for three meals a day. We know how much her groceries cost, we know her thoughts. She's got a journal, she's got a diary, and 
for someone like me, who's really interested in the mind and how it works, I love watching your posts and kind of seeing you grapple with things and then solve them and then grapple and then solve. You're so open. What caused you, what was the moment where you decided you were going to share so openly? Yeah, it wasn't a single moment. Okay. It was a process as these things are. Um, I was, at first, I was absolutely out of my mind terrified for anybody to know that I was even thinking about struggling with my gender. Um, that's how scared I was. And when I first really began to accept the possibility I might be trans, this was in May 2019, my therapist suggested that I create a Twitter account with a feminine persona as a way of just seeing what it's like to live out in the world, being seen as a woman, and also then to get to know other trans people because I was so afraid for people to know I was struggling, I wouldn't even go to support groups. I didn't even want other trans people to know that I was struggling. So in the beginning of June, 2019, I created my first social media account as Shuli Elisheva. And that was such an eye-opening experience for me. Um, it was the first time that I really got to know other trans people and other trans people were writing openly about their lives. And what really, really hit me about that summer is that even though I was a feminist, even though I was an ally, even though I was very liberal, it turns out that I knew very, very little about what it means to be transgender and almost everything that I knew turned out to be wrong, right? It was all the stereotypes. And when I saw how much other people were sharing and how much that helped me, that is, that is a piece of the story of how I started to share more openly about what I was experiencing. Um, and the prime, one of the primary ways that I did that during that summer was I was writing poetry in Yiddish about my gender dysphoria. Um, I was writing it in Yiddish in part because it was a language that most people don't know. So it afforded me some confidentiality. But as I started to meet other trans people on Twitter and they start to ask me, oh, you know, what, what are your poems about? I start to post English translations of my poems and I started to get followers. And then I decided, you know, I'll create a blog and I'll put my poems on this blog. It's really just for me to have them all in one place. If other people enjoy them too, that's great. And before you knew it, I had over a thousand followers okay. and um, people really connected with me. And I realized that what I was going through wasn't unique. It wasn't just me. It was also all of these other people. Um, but then a really significant thing happened, which is that I was preparing to come out. Um, at the time, I was married to a rabbi of a synagogue. And it turns out that as far as anybody can tell, I may be the first person in history to come out as a transgender woman while married to a synagogue's rabbi. It was completely unprecedented. And literally within 12 hours of my coming out, I had a Facebook message from a reporter from one of the major Jewish newspapers asking to do an article about me. Um, and that was a real moment when I had to really reconcile, okay, I never chose this. I don't really want to be a role model. I just want to live my life, but I have an opportunity to be a role model. And so the article came out. It was published in like five different languages in Jewish newspapers all over the world. And by that point, people were asking me, so when are you going to write your memoir? And it just, you know, it just, it kept spiraling and spiraling. And of course, there's a lot more that I can say about this, um, but that's sort of how it all got going. Well, that is... So it's really interesting how I have to think that, you know, there's a lot of role models listening. Just because one thing I know is that I attract role models. 
<laughs> so if you look around, you know, all the people who you're in with at BoomU and the mastermind, right? Look around, like everyone's a role model within their community. So it's really interesting. Trina and I uh, were just talking about that. For those of you listening, Trina's the producer of the show and we work together at BoomU and she covers the marketing aspects and angles, Trina Brooks. And we were talking about that. We were actually talking about, look at how many people that come to us that are role models in their community. So it's interesting that that came up because that is how, so this overcoming the fear. So we're going to talk about, you know, how to get over the fear of accepting, embracing you. So this has been a really bumpy road for you. Um, And sharing your tweets or sharing your poetry. um, So tell me about that. Like what what have been some of the hardest, because it's not all, it hasn't been all like, yay. And then I was like transgender. And then I, you know, and now I'm off my meds because there's been, I've watched, there's been some really tough days for you. Like tough. so hard. It's been really, really hard um, as I've been working on my memoir, going back and rereading my old poems and rereading my old Facebook posts, my old tweets. Sometimes I want to cry. Like, I I wish I could go back in time and give the old me a hug and say, it'll be okay. In fact, I even have some posts where I literally wrote, I wish that the future me could be here to give me a hug and tell me it will be all right. Um, you know, hourly, I was very happy. I had a great sense of humor, um, but inside I was crying. Um, I, I wrote a poem. Um, it's not a poem that I've really shared widely since then. Some of my poems I've shared widely. This one, I actually forgot about until recently when I first created my Twitter account, I used an app called face app to take my picture and make me look like a woman. And okay. I use that as my profile picture and it has this huge smile, very radiant. And so I wrote a poem on Twitter, basically saying, look at that smile in that picture behind that smile is sadness and despair. And I wrote about how happiness and sadness are two sides of the same coin. They're old friends. And, um, you know, it was, they really are. People do you, you don't have that handy that you could uh, share with us, do you? Oh, I I could find it. Yeah, yeah find it. You know, it's true. I and mean, when look at, I mean, and this is one of the things we talk about polarity, right? We can't have, you know, we we look at these two sides of the same of the same coin, and yet, do you still feel that way that they're two sides of the same coin? Because now mostly you're happy. Yeah. Well, I have the poem in front of me, actually, if you would like. Oh, yeah, let's hear it. I'd love to hear this poem. Um, And I I wrote it in, it's very short. I wrote it in Yiddish and in English. Do you want to hear it in Yiddish? I'd I'd love, well, I don't know how many of the listeners are Yiddish with the, uh, so. I didn't know if you want to, but I can read it. I love the, I love the lyrical. Actually, I have like some of your YouTube uh, videos. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it in Yiddish. Let's hear its proper Mm -hmm. form first. So in Yiddish, it sounds like this. Kuko if mein Bild, zestu du Schmeichel, hinter dem Schmeichel liegt Treuer und Angst. Nur lernen nicht davon, ich bin keinmal nicht glücklich, weil Treuer und Freude seinen alten Nasch pratis. Angst und Depressie, Krankheit und Schwere, nur das ist das Leben und Leben tue ich weiter. And in English that means, look at my picture, see that smile? Behind that smile lies sadness and stress. But don't think this means that I'm never happy. Sadness and joy are very close buddies. Anxiety and depression, terrible disorders, but that is life and I go on living. So you asked if I still feel that way. And the answer is yes. I have been deeply influenced over the last few years by the research of Brene Brown, who has uh, written about wholehearted living. And she has discovered in her research that you can't selectively, you can't selectively numb 
emotions. You can't have happiness if you're suppressing your sadness. Um, <clears throat> you can't have courage if you're not afraid. And I have found that um, this has actually helped me a lot rather than ignoring my sadness. Um, accepting it as a natural part of what it means to be human and understanding and honoring the reasons why I get sad. Um, though now the reasons I get sad have less to do with gender dysphoria and more to do with, you know, oh, they ran out of such and such at the grocery store and now I'm sad, you know. Well, open yourself up to the possibility that they could be less and less because as I um, have worked with retraining my brain and of course there's Hebb's Law, uh, Fire Together, Wire Together, which is well explained in Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, that what's happened for me is that there was uh, like, I mean, you know, I've gone through different things that about accepting and embracing myself. Um, I'll tell you one of the things that I've had to hear. I'm actually sharing this here with you, Shuli. Um, but one of the things that I've had to accept and embrace about myself, this is like really super recent. And honestly, I don't know why it's been so hard, but I've had to accept and embrace who I attract, like who I am, who I attract. Like I attract people who want to be their whole selves. I attract, I, I joke, right? Light workers, do-gooders and woo-woo entrepreneurs, right? Like people who actually want to leave the world better, who want to find fulfillment, who are role models. But I used to kind of go, oh, like professionals and like go-getters. And I used to have this whole um, dialogue about myself that I was all about the go-getter and the whatever. And I was but at the same time, my whole life, I said, I was born at the wrong time. I should have been 30 in the 60s. I would have been the leader of the hippies. I believe and I've said that my whole life. But yet I kept still kind of thinking that these go-getters were, you know, that not really sort of attuned necessarily spiritually were my people. And it just, I was living out of congruence with that. And I have now spent the last year accepting, getting over the fear of accepting and embracing me. And yeah. I love, and, and for me, it's not so much that I, I wouldn't want to support that community. Like it wasn't like I was against it or I resisted it. It's just like, for some reason, I couldn't figure it out. Because I just kept looking at all the clients that I used to have or like these tough entrepreneurs. And so I kept thinking, but then I guess I missed some of my lessons along the way. And I will say that the more I have aligned my life with what I feel like I'm meant to do and I, with the people I'm meant to do it for, right? We're messengers and we don't pick our message and we don't pick who we give the message to, right? And so... Once I've been in alignment with that, I don't feel as much of the fear courage. I and I don't feel as much as the sad glad. I really stay in a more uplifted state a lot of the time. And that has, I mean, we're talking, this has been a decade. So I'm not saying this has been something that's been instant. So I'd be open to that relationship being less frequent. Absolutely. And I've certainly seen a huge transformation in my own life, you know, before being so buried in depression that I couldn't imagine life without depression. Now, every night when I go to bed, I have a huge smile on my face. I literally go to bed every night thinking to myself and sometimes even saying out loud, I am so happy and I am so grateful to be happy. You know, so I do, I do have the 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 more negative emotions as well but the balance has absolutely shifted well just know that you know neuroscience suggests it will continue moving so yeah. you're in a a trajectory that it can't help itself 
but take you there more of the time. I was actually really, I really liked a recent, um, okay, let's, we got to give listeners some getting over the fear of accepting, embracing you. Do we have some, um, I mean, so listeners, how does this relate to you? I mean, it's just, we all have, I have a story of not being authentic to me. Shuli has a big story of not being authentic to her, not even, not even being comfortable with what that is. And I know that's really common because when people come to work with me, they, you know, Shuli, you started in Ignite, right? Mm -hmm. Which was finding, you know, your purpose and then what business was really aligned to who you are. And the reason we can't fight, it can be hard for everyone. And so what, um, how can listeners, what advice do you have for listeners who, who maybe feel that they're not living their truth and don't know what their truth is, but like, what advice do you have for them? I think that the, the biggest thing I would say is that, um, as, as, uh, Disney princess sings in one of the Disney movies. Um, fairy tales don't come true. You have to make them happen. Um, real change is absolutely possible, but it doesn't just happen. Um, and when you see huge transformations and you think, oh, I could never change like that, um, you know, you haven't necessarily seen what happened behind the scenes. For me, my journey to self-acceptance was not overnight. It took a lot of work and it took a lot of work specifically on learning to accept myself and learning to embrace myself. It took a lot of work specifically on developing my gratitude practices, developing my self-love practices, practices, figuring out, you know, what is my purpose in life and how do I align my life with my purpose? Um, all of that was very, very intentional for me, and it was, you know, it was a long process, and it wasn't linear either. I had ups and I had downs. I had this amazing high about a year and a half ago when my creativity was through the roof. I composed, I think, 44 Yiddish songs in a month and a half, and it was incredible. My business was booming. And then I crashed and I called the suicide hotline and I thought that I was going to go broke and I couldn't get out of bed in the mornings, you know, so I've had these, it, it hasn't been this constant up, 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 you know, it's been a real journey. But would you say, and yet you wouldn't not do it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I see where I am now. And in hindsight, I see where I was then. It's it's absolutely worth it. I mean, it's it's what I had to do. What would someone do? So let's say we've got someone who's thinking about making a big change and they're afraid. I mean, that just sounds like I don't want to be calling a suicide hotline. I don't want to be, you know, because when we unhook from what we're doing, you unhooked in a big way. You had to unhook from marriage and expectations of who you were to your parents, um, to your family. But we are, everyone is leaving people behind. Whenever we make a big thing, we're, we're either leaving work behind or we're leaving family to wonder what the heck is going on. There's always that fear. What would you say to say, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like maybe I should not change because I don't want to go through the, that roller coaster. You know what? Well, the fear of the unknown is really powerful. Um, you know, one of the biggest fears for me was, okay, so I'm not who I thought I am, but then like the real me, okay, who is the real me? And maybe I won't like the real me. Maybe I don't want to be the real me. It's, you know, the evil you know is sometimes less scary than the evil you don't, than, than, than the, the unknown. Um, and so I think in terms of advice, I think part of my advice would be to trust in your future, to trust that there is a time that is better for you and you may not know what that's going to look like. And you may not know how you're going to get there, 
Um, but if you trust in the process, um, you know, it doesn't always get better for everybody, um, but it really, really can. And just being open to the possibilities, you know, if you had told me even five years ago, if you had described the way I am now, I'm not sure I would have believed you. I mean, in so many ways, the person I am now is so at odds with who I was before because I never would have accepted before that that I could be the person that I am now. Um, so just being open to the possibility is is a huge thing. When you ask, because I bet you there's a lot of people who, when they listen to this, will be wondering, who is the real me? So that's such a an interesting question. I would love to hear what you, you know, what would you advice would you give for someone who's in the process of trying to understand that? Is there any tips you have on how they might speed it up? Well, I, I don't know if it's always a process that can be speeded up, that can be sped oh, up necessarily. Okay. Speeded. Um, <laughs> speeded. Speeded. Uh, Let's make up words. <laughs> um, you know, there's uh, um, in in Lord of the Rings, right? Gandalf says a wizard is never late and he's never early. He comes precisely when he means to arrive. And this is something that uh, people often say about gender transitions, right? Um, a gender transition is never too late and never too early. They're precisely when they are meant to be. Um, and you know, it's easy to lose patience. Um, you know, for, for me and for a lot of trans people, it's really, really, really hard to wait. You know, like, I just want to be a girl already. I mean, turns out I already was a girl. I just didn't know it. But, you know, I wanted this whole process of transformation to just happen already. Um, I didn't want to go through the suffering but I've come to realize that to a large extent, I am who I am because of the suffering. Um, you know, there's a famous saying that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Well, that's not actually true. Surviving what doesn't kill us, that's what makes us stronger, right? It's the, it's the survival of it. It's the experience of surviving it. Um, I don't know that I would be the courageous person I am today if I hadn't had to be so courageous. I don't know that I would have the self-love that I have today and the self-confidence that I have today if I hadn't struggled with my self-love and my self-confidence as I have. You know, it's it's painful, but it... You know. I relate so much to what you are saying right now, you could be literally talking about, it's like, it's interesting. We're talking about completely different things, but we're not because, you know, over getting over the fear, accepting and embracing who you are, that story is also much of your story is also my story, the impatience, sort of wanting things before my time. You mentioned writing 40 something Yiddish songs in a month. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote two in two days. They were English. Uh, <laughs> I don't know Yiddish, um, but they download. It's like they downloaded. And one of them, I, the phrase is um, like one of them is called "Thank you for the preparation." Yeah, preparing me for my vocation, and we are. I am the. You know. <laughs> impatience personified like I would read the last chapter of books so I could calm down and read the book you know anything on Netflix I go read the final thing and then I want like I'm like that's like how impatient and so it's almost like this cosmic joke that I have to be so patient for so many things yeah but it is in fact like you just said um it is in fact in going through what I went through that I have become a version of me that I love me now. And I don't know if, I mean, I couldn't have said that with a smile and a glint in my eye five years ago. I could have yeah. said it in an egoic way. 
I, I love me. And, you know, I could have said it in a lot of different ways. Oh yeah, I'm so cool. You know, in a very, but like in a deep, like I'm a nice person <laughs> like, in a really, um, and it was certainly the trials and tribulations that I went through that helped humble me to the point that I could rebuild into something really, into a person I truly admire. It's also not just the trials and tribulations either. You know, oftentimes people look at um, somebody who accomplished something and they say, wow, you accomplished this thing. But actually what they accomplished isn't this thing. What they accomplished was this thing and then this thing and then this thing and then this thing and then this thing and a million things, all the baby steps along the way, you know, as a Yiddish teacher and as a Yiddish empowerment coach, I often ask students, you know, what's your goal? And they say, oh, my goal is to get fluent in Yiddish. Well, the truth is that just learning one letter of the alphabet is an accomplishment, right? Learning how to read three-letter words, <laughs> that's an accomplishment, right? Learning how to conjugate a verb in the present tense, that's an accomplishment. Um, you know, and when it came to my gender transition, it was really daunting in the beginning because there were so many things but every step that I took, okay, so I, I came out to myself. I came out to my spouse. I came out to this friend and this friend. Okay, I came out publicly. I you know, bought my first women's clothing. I bought my first makeup. Okay, it wasn't the whole thing. It was just, you know, like I bought BB cream, but I wasn't wearing lipstick yet, you know, and then I got lipstick, but I hadn't done mascara yet. You know, each one of those things was a step along the journey. And when I look back and with, with pride on how much I've accomplished, it's not just one thing that I have to be proud of. It's all of those steps along the way that I have to be proud of. Um, you know, so I think if you're in a situation where you've got this massive change that needs to be made, um, Try to think of it not just as this massive change, but as all these itty bitty changes along the way that that build up and you can almost get excited about, you know, oh, you know, now I get to do this and now I get to do this and now I get to take this step and now I get to take this step. And before you know it, all the steps will get you to to where you're going, you know. That's such fabulous advice. And you know, that's going to bring me to my next question, which is some of the practices that I know you use, but that, that is such good dopamine focusing on those sub steps, right? Is such a good dope because dopamine is basically, we follow the dopamine. That's how dopamine works. Uh, and what you're describing, those little steps are the dopamine, you know, a series of progress towards something so much more important than arrival or some showy, you know, hey, look at this. I, I often say to people, please don't pick businesses that you won't look forward to work toward. <laughs> because like your transition, a business is a series of little steps. Um, so wow, that's great advice. Now, one of the things that I came up in one of our group calls, right? And we were talking about more and I said, you know, Shuli, well, okay, what are your practices? Because I was looking at sort of inserting a practice and, and you were like, well, Jill, and you, I remember you ran through your practices and every everybody's face on the call was like, wow. <laughs> so I really wanted you to share those, um, you know, so, so that, so that we could share all these amazing, and you, you alluded to them earlier in your gratitude practices, and then you go to bed smiling almost every night. So can you take our listeners through some of the practices that have helped you get over the fear of accepting and embracing you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't know if, you know, the, the people listening to this can relate to this or not, um, but there have been many Thanksgivings in my life when we sit together at the table and we say, all right, let's go around and everybody share one thing that you're grateful for. And sometimes it's not even one thing you're grateful for. Sometimes it's, it's, it's the thing that you're grateful for. And people struggle and they wriggle in their seats and maybe they say, you know, oh, come back to me. And then what ends up happening is that almost everybody says, I'm thankful for my family and friends, right? Or I'm thankful that we're all here. And it, it's such a struggle to even think of one thing. 
Um, now I'm at this point where every morning and every night, um, every morning I wake up and I write down 10 things I love about myself and 20 things I'm grateful for. And then at night, 10 things I loved about the day and 20 things I'm grateful for. And that didn't happen overnight. I started by writing down just one thing I'm grateful for, one thing I love about myself. And I did that every day. And then eventually I uh, grew that. So, okay, I'll do three things I'm grateful for and three things I love about myself. And eventually that became five and it became 10 and 15 and 20. And over the course of doing this for a year and a half, um, it is so easy for me now to express gratitude. There is so much to be grateful for. And I've also become very comfortable with the idea that it's okay to love myself by writing down things that I actually love about myself. And I don't have to tell other people, right? Just, just for myself. Oh, you know, I, I really love this about myself and I love this about myself. Um, that has been so empowering, but it, it took time to build up that practice. And, and, you know, as, as I mentioned in that call, my evening and morning journaling routines have a lot more than even that. Um, but that, yeah, 20 things I'm grateful for every morning and every night. There's a, there's a Jewish tradition that says that every day we should recite 100 blessings. And the Jewish liturgy is written in such a way that if you do the written liturgy, you'll get 100 blessings that you're reciting. But I've often thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if I could get to the point where I could just come up with 100 things that I'm grateful for every day um, without having to read them from a book? And I'm very far from that, right? 20 is very far from a hundred. Um, no, it's, the- it's not. It's no, I don't agree. I think 20 is well on your way. 20 is 20 is well on the way. You know, there's one of the um, concepts that has most resonated with me in my life that, that just, just resonates with me so much is this idea called radical amazement. Um, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel wrote about how we should live our lives with radical amazement. Everything is awesome. You know, every blade of grass is amazing. And when I look around at the world around me, everything is incredible. And I'm so grateful for everything. And when I'm feeling like there's something bad in my life, I can acknowledge that bad thing in my life and I can honor that bad thing in my life while also looking around and realizing, okay, that one really bad thing is completely outnumbered by all of the miracles in life. So that I love, I love that. And in some ways that is maybe like a hundred blessings a day, because I think a blessing could be, you know, have a beautiful, I think saying to someone, have a beautiful day yeah, could be a blessing. And I think, you know, what a gorgeous tree, you know, just stopping and appreciating things. I love that radical amazement idea. That's pretty cool. I'm going to look into that. Um, Julie, as we wrap up today, this has just been, Mm -hmm. first of all, really nice, but I have one more question. Uh, What's maybe we haven't talked about it. Maybe we have, what's something that you'd like to highlight? Someone's listening to this and they're looking at getting over the fear of accepting, embracing themselves. What do you want to say to them? I would say that nothing is impossible. Um, Very often when we struggle with our identities, it's because we feel that the identity that we really have is an impossible identity. It's impossible to do that, so why bother, right? It's impossible to be that, so why bother? Um, but if I could have one one message, one piece of advice, it's to always, always, always have faith that that anything is possible. We may just not know how to do it yet, but if you're meant to be a certain person, then that's who you're meant to be, and and you'll get there. And even if you don't get there, your journey will take you somewhere amazing. That part I have seen for sure so many times. 
Julie, thank you so much for for joining me. That I honestly could just keep chatting with you. I think I just want to reiterate. I just really want to tell you personally. Um, thank you for joining my world. It's. I truly feel blessed that I have had the opportunity to guide you in part of your journey um, on the business side and like you've said, the, conf the confidence side and the thinking about self side and you have taught me. I learn from you all the time and thank you for being so brave and so bold because you inspire me. Yeah. I, I don't always get a chance to tell you that. So I'm telling, I'm telling you here because you really, you, you blow me away. So listen, our listeners, I don't know how, so we've got, Julie's got a memoir coming out. And if uh, there's a number of places, as we've mentioned, she's pretty active online. Now, if you happen to be someone who wants to learn how to speak Yiddish fluently outside of Brooklyn, She's your gal. Uh, and if you just want to look and, and bear witness to a journey of becoming an authentic version of who you are and, and see her journey and what she goes through. Um, so how can people follow up, get a hold of you, learn more? Uh, take it away, Shuli. Yeah. So on, on the Yiddish side, I have my website, Use Yiddish with Shuli. Dot com and it's it's specifically not learn Yiddish it's use Yiddish with Shuli.com. Um, as far as the transgender stuff goes, I have written a number of articles for a magazine called Unorthodoxed, which is a magazine, a lifestyle magazine for Orthodox Jewish women called Unorthodoxed because we don't all fit in a box. Um, and I've written about my journey there. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Shuli Elisheva. And um, I would say those are the three biggest ways of getting in touch with me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and this memoir, I mean, I know you've been working at it for a while and it's going to be really great to have it out. We're going to have your uh, social, media, social media link in the show notes. Thank you, Shu Lee. Have a beautiful day. I think we are inspired. We know how to get over the fear of uh, accepting and embracing ourselves just that much more. What else could we care about? Thank you. This was such a pleasure and an honor. Likewise. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Thinking Vitamins podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, comment, follow, and come to thinkingvitamins.com where you can sign up to get our newsletter and additional free training. Thinking Vitamins with Jill McKay. Just stop.